ministry. And here, after these churches have been established, Paul's writing to them to help care for them. And it, it just moves me that all of the letters of the Apostle Paul are an example, really, of, of extra local care, that local church government is, is vital for the purity of the gospel and the advancement of the gospel, and for us to shine our lights forth to the world, even as the prophetic word came forth this morning. But also, it's, it's a real blessing to have the extra local care outside of the church in partnership with other Christ-centered churches, just like we see in the New Testament. The Corinthians were also bound together with other churches like Ephesus and like the Galatian churches and the Apostle Paul actually traveled throughout the Mediterranean. These were primarily Gentile churches. And the Apostle Paul gathered an offering from all of these Gentile churches in order to take a contribution collectively from all these churches back to Jerusalem to express solidarity between the largely Gentile churches and also down into Jerusalem, which was primarily an ethnically Jewish Christian church in Jerusalem, to say, hey, we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a, there was a partnership in the early church. Local churches didn't exist in isolation from one to another. And that's a very, very important principle. It's an important principle in relation to churches, but it's also an important principle in relation to individual Christians. It's never a healthy thing to see someone living in independency as an individual Christian from local churches. Whenever you see a Christian in the New Testament, it's always that they're connected in relation to some church. There's never just these isolated Christians that are just out there, but not part of a local church in the early church. It would have been unheard of for a Christian to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a member of a local church anywhere. But the reason why it's important to say this is because today it's very common to bump into people all over the place who say, yeah, I'm a believer but I don't go to church. I'm a believer, but I'm not a member of a local church anywhere. I'm a part of the universal body of Christ, many will tout. But they fail to see that in the New Testament pattern, independence is not a healthy thing. We are called to be built together as living stones, precious stones one to another, and to be in a vibrant local church, Christ-centered community, so that we can grow from being infants in Christ into spiritually mature Christians, to move from mere milk to get more established into the deeper truths of the gospel and the more advanced teachings of the mysteries of God and the whole counsel of God according to Scripture. We're never meant to remain infants. We're never meant to stay independent. We're meant to plug in and get established and be a part of a local church where we can receive the benefit of the care of godly elders, godly pastors, godly deacons, and the local church body and the care that it gives one to another, as we've talked about even in our Together series. It's so important to be a part of something bigger than just your own life and to be built together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's What's true of individuals is also true of churches. Churches that are in isolation or independent and not a part of a greater partnership in the gospel with other churches run the risk of when they run into challenges like the Corinthian church did in the early church of jealousy and strife and infighting. They have to settle that matter internally, but they don't have the benefit of extra local care, extra local accountability to be able to come in and help those elders and help those deacons, help those congregations get their eyes back on where it needs to be. And I'm so thankful to God for the ecclesiastical union or the family of churches that we are a part of in Sovereign Grace Churches because of the care that we have received from the very first day of our church plant until now. Our sister church in Marlton, New Jersey, the senior pastor there is named Warren Betcher. And Warren Betcher is going to be joining us next week to be a part of John's ordination. Because 
our regional assembly of elders in our northeast region in Sovereign Grace back in October had the honor, I remember Kim posting this on Facebook, of ordaining John as a voting elder within our region. And it was a wonderful moment where all of our brothers and our churches in our northeast region of Sovereign Grace were celebrating that moment and celebrating the completion of John's ordination exams and also we get that opportunity next week as a local church to celebrate the grace of God in John's life and to see yet another elder put into place in our midst. And Ben mentioned this a moment ago, how excited we are about this, that we are really grateful and really looking forward to just more godly men being installed as elders in the future. In fact, we have a discipleship group right now, Ben, John, and I do, that We have about six to eight guys being discipled who have aspired to pastoral ministry in some way and who are being discipled by us now every month in order to to discern whether or not God is in fact calling them to pastoral ministry. Some of them are burdened to plant churches. Others are burdened to serve here in our midst. And I'm so grateful for the godly men that we have in our church who are so eager to serve We are going to need, gentlemen and young men, more godly men to serve as pastors in our church in the future. In case you haven't noticed, uh, we're getting older. (laughs) And we need a new generation of young men to be raised up. I would ask for all the young godly men in our church to, to pray about whether or not God might have you in the future perhaps to be a pastor. It's something to pray about. We have a lost and dying world so desperately in need of a Savior, as Ben mentioned this morning in the prophetic word. And not everybody's called to be a pastor, and being a pastor is not what's most important. The most important thing is following Christ and, and being faithful to Him. But we are passionate about seeing godly young men and godly men raised up for eldership, pastoral ministry, those two terms are synonymous, within the local church so the church can be strengthened. I'm so grateful for how in our partnership with Sovereign Grace Churches, they are also passionate for us to be training godly men for ministry with our pastor's college, which Ben and I have had the honor of being a part of. It has equipped us in sound doctrine, which has focused us in on the foundation and focusing the church in on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. If you are all feeling blessed by the counsel that Ben, John, and I have been giving in counseling situations or in different teaching settings where you feel edified in the cross, in the gospel, in Christ, there's a reason for that. We, we, we thank God because these things are within us, but God has poured out His grace in our lives through the equipping that we've received through Sovereign Grace Churches. That equipping has helped Ben and I and John to be Christ-centered in our approach to ministry. We never assume that you are resting in grace sufficiently. We never assume that you are resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ or celebrating His resurrection from the grave on your account and all the benefits that that brings into your life. We're never assuming that you're enjoying them or at peace in them enough. And we desire to continue to see the work and the teaching ministry of this church deepen even more as we head into our future. And Sovereign Grace Churches provides so much care in relation to that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the benefits of Sovereign Grace in just a moment, but I I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 here and just see that the pattern that emerges here is that we see that partnership in the gospel and extra local care, partnership protects and partnership provides. Partnership protects and partnership provides. Under protection, we see that this local church here in Corinth began acting according to the flesh rather than the Spirit. In verse 3, you see this described, for you are still of the flesh, Corinthians. He's writing here to a local church. There's jealousy and there's strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And he's, he's he's bringing clarity into some of the things that are causing problems and infighting into the church. And this is where 
extra local care can be a protection. It can be a safeguard to drift morally from within the church. And we all need to guard. Extra local care is a blessing, but every one of us also need to guard against jealousy and strife and everything that would be a threat to the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace within our midst. I was so blessed by 13 men showing up at men's prayer last Monday night. And gentlemen, thank you for the prayer that you are lifting up on behalf of our church. And one of the themes that came up in the midst of the prayer time was for God to protect our church from this sort of thing. Jealousy, strife, gossip, and slander, sinful speech that can really wreak havoc in the midst of a church or even in a family of churches. The Apostle Paul here saying it's some of the problems are arising out from that you're, you're still acting according to the flesh rather than the Spirit. We're called to, as Galatians 5 says, to manifest the fruits of the Spirit. Love, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control and the like, and not out of jealousy and strife and the fruits of the flesh that are more characteristic of who we were before we were saved and not meant to characterize those who are believers. And what this was causing, and you see it in verse 4, is that when some were saying, you know what, I follow Paul, the one who founded the church. Others were starting to say, you know what, I follow Apollos, the one who also came after Paul and helped build upon the good foundation that Paul built in Christ. But there were some who were saying they were aligning themselves with specific teachers who had impacted them, And this was starting to become a source of disunity and strife between them because some were saying, okay, you follow Apollos, well, I follow Paul. And we see this also earlier in 1 Corinthians 1 where there was a description given where in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 1, there was quarreling that was actually beginning to develop in the church. And the Apostle Paul says, each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos. There were others also in the Corinthians church saying, I follow Cephas, or I follow Peter. And so, um, and then there were others who said, you know what, I'm getting out of that racket. You know what, I'm following Christ. But, but that I follow Christ sounds good, but it was almost like they were starting to just jettison leaders in general and saying, I'm just going to follow Christ. And it was, it was saying, I'll follow Christ in more of a divisive spirit and a spirit of separating in the same way that those who were saying, I follow Cephas or Apollos or Paul were saying it. They're all kind of drawing their swords and separating from one another into four separate factions within the church. And the apostle Paul saying, listen, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? These are just servants. Engaged in the same exact work, doing something different. One planted, the other watered. But those who plant and those who water, there aren't, they aren't anything. It's only God who gives the growth. And so extra local care protects the church by focusing the church back on what it needs to be focused on. And that is worshiping God and not men. Being grateful for godly leaders and holding them in honor in appropriate ways, but not fixating on them in a way to where we align ourselves by their side rather than on Christ and Christ alone. No, we honor godly men and women who are a blessing in our midst and who bless us in Christ in so many ways, but we, we, we don't reverence and adore them. We, we reverence and adore and worship Christ and Christ alone, brothers and sisters. And this is something that is so important because when it starts to break down, it starts to create this factionalism that started to develop in Corinth. And, and, and they couldn't, they couldn't really settle it amongst themselves locally. They, they were just out of order doctrinally, practically, structurally. And the extra local care came in and helped to bring the church back into focus and on Christ. And focusing on, as 1 Corinthians 13 says later, forget all this jealousy and strife. I'll show you a more excellent way. Love. Building the church into what it's meant to do. And that is operate out of the spirit rather than the flesh. But brothers and sisters, the church needs help. You know, what's so interesting here is, and I I love this, is that it's the early church. We tend to kind of, mythologize the early church as if they were all Christians walking around in white robes who never sinned. 
They were just brothers and sisters in Christ, just like us, who had strengths and weaknesses. The Apostle Paul and the apostles, they weren't sinless either. One of the things that really affects me is by this time when Paul's coming in and really helping and being such a blessing and planting the church in Corinth, there had already been challenges and threats and sins one to another, even as fellow workers on the field serving. Seems like Paul and Barnabas, you read about this in Acts, they came into sharp disagreement over whether or not they should take John Mark with them on their second missionary journey, their second church planning venture, because John Mark left the mission earlier than expected, and Paul didn't want to take him. But Barnabas wanted to take him. It seems most likely, I could be wrong here, but it seems like Paul might not have been very gracious in that moment. Later on, it seems like Paul and John Mark were reconciled. What you see in the early church is that it wasn't all just peaches and cream and perfection. Only Christ is perfect. There's no leader other than Jesus Christ who's sinless or faultless. Leaders struggle, leaders sin, and we must not be put off when we see weaknesses or sins even in leaders or in leadership. The the church in Corinth was starting to lose its focus. There was selfish ambition, strife, jealousies amongst them. And the Apostle Paul was saying, listen, get your focus back on where it needs to be, on Christ. You see this also in uh, Galatians where partnership and extra local care doesn't come in a perfect package or a sinless package. You see it with the way Paul and Peter interacted in Galatians chapter 2. It seems that the Apostle Peter was not acting or behaving in a certain local church in a way that adorned the gospel. His behavior in a certain context was causing some of the Gentile Christians to stumble because when Peter came into the gathering, there were, there were ethnically Jewish Christians eating with each other and there were ethnically Gentile Christians eating with one another. And then when there were ethnically Jewish brothers that came up from Jerusalem to visit, well, before that moment happened, Peter was interacting with both of them all in equal terms because we're all one in Christ. But when the ethnically Jewish brothers came up, Peter, it seems like he caved into the fear of man and thought, oh, I wonder if they're not going to like me for eating with the Gentile Christians any longer. And he started to distance himself from the ethnically Gentile Christians and started to align himself only with the Jewish Christians. And the Apostle Paul was there observing it. And he said he had to rebuke Peter, two apostles... Paul had to rebuke Peter to his face for not acting in accordance with the gospel of grace. His behavior was unbecoming of an apostle. And and Peter, it seems later, even you see this in, in uh, the epistles of 1st and 2nd Peter, where there's a, an affection from Peter to Paul. They they deal with it as godly men do. They They work through it. And then they come back into... Partnership and serving the glorious gospel together. They don't break off from one another, but they are rather reconciled. And that theme becomes a real dominant theme throughout the New Testament. But the point is, is that partnership and extra local care, it it doesn't come in a perfection of leadership. There's always going to be mixture, this side of heaven. And we must not ever demand perfection out of any Christian leader, or ever put them up on a pedestal so high to where the only thing they can do is fall. The reality of it is, is Christian leaders sin as well, including the Apostle Paul, but that's no reason to not pursue partnership. We still continue to pursue it, even though... We recognize that, you know, this side of heaven, there's just still going to be remaining indwelling sin. There's going to be sin in leaders that come in extra locally. There's going to be sin amongst the leaders in our church, challenges, indwelling sin. There's going to be sin struggles that our care group leaders have. There's going to be sin struggles that every member of our church has. Christ community, I think one of the calls for us from going from infancy into a greater maturity is we're not surprised when we see sin, even within the church. We don't just say, okay, that's it. I'm done and I'm out of here. We, we work through. We press into unity. We, we come together again and we help one another in love. 
We fight to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We treasure and we help those around us in our midst who stumble to protect them. And that's one of the things local church partnership protects. It also helps us to keep our focus on the foundation, Jesus Christ. If you want to know, one of the things I'm so grateful for with our family of churches and Sovereign Grace is the constant reminder to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, risen from the dead, and to celebrate Jesus Christ and keep Him central in everything that we do and teach. I am forever grateful for the many leaders who have invested into my life, who have helped me to see that truth in God's Word, and so grateful for the health that that brings into our local church on a daily and weekly basis. We are so thankful, and I I know that that's happened through many of you. You've helped to keep my eyes on Christ, but the extra local care that we've gotten from Sovereign Grace has helped us to keep our focus on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Extra local care also helps us to build well upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. We see in 1 Corinthians 3 that each one of us Though the context is speaking specifically to leaders, there's also anybody who's contributing to the work of the ministry. Anybody who's investing their life into the local church needs to take heed to verses 10 through 13. These are very important words. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. And here's this wise counsel from the master builder. Now looking back on the church that he had planted now years ago, He's saying to those in Corinth, let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there's excellent apostolic extra local care flowing in to help them center their eyes back on Jesus Christ. And then verse 12 says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day. That capital D, day, speaks of the day of judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. That day is going to disclose every man's work because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. A little distinction is made here in 16 and 17. You see in verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. There are enemies of the truth and enemies of the gospel who seek to destroy God's temple. They will be judged and cast into hell. They will be punished forever. In hell, that's an unbeliever. But there's a distinction made there between someone who doesn't build well, but actually still is saved, but they're not building well upon the foundation. It seems that the the distinction there between the the gold and the silver and the precious stones is is work that Christians do in Christ-like faith and obedience. That's going to survive. The work that Christians do in Christ-like faith and obedience is going, that's going to survive. That's going to endure. That's not going to get burned up on the final day when you stand before the Lord alone on the day of judgment. And this here, in this section, this context, isn't talking about the great white throne judgment where the sheep are separated from the goats, where believer is separated from unbeliever. This judgment here is talking about the judgment seat of Christ where we all will be judged according to our works. It, we all will be saved. Those of us who have repented of our sins and trusted in Christ will be saved, but our lives will be evaluated and tested by fire. And specifically here, the context is of leaders, what they've built how they built, 
Did they build well upon the foundation of Jesus Christ? Did they build according to the whole counsel of God, according to Scripture? Did they build the church on their own ideas? Did they take the church's eyes off of the foundation, Jesus Christ, and start focusing on spiritual gifts or some other thing at the expense of Christ? Extra local care here. And obviously this is apostolic. This is a special care given by the Apostle Paul and a foundation laid that has, it's laid and it's established. But this extra local care serves as a pattern for the type of extra local care we need as a church today. And it helps us to be reminded and to be warned that what we build and how we build matters. And to snap us out of the delusion that we can just live our lives whimsically without focus and energy and, and priorities of keeping Christ central and building the church according to the Word of God and not by the inventions and ideas and fads of man. I'd ask you to please pray for Ben, John, and I in relation to the leadership of the church. It sobers us. In James chapter 3, it says, Not many of you, brothers, should presume to be teachers, because those of you who teach will be judged with a more stricter judgment. God cares so deeply about His people. He doesn't want His people receiving anything but the best. He wants them to get the pure milk of the the simple gospel of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. But He wants His people to be fed the meat of the deep truths of the gospel and to understand and and to understand the mysteries of the faith with a clear conscience. One of the qualifications for a, a deacon, and Ben will hit on this in a number of weeks, is that he must hold to the mysteries of the faith with a clear conscience. That, that, that speaks to a man who knows the Word, who loves it, but, but doesn't have just a basic milk understanding of the truths, but understands with depth the mysteries of the faith, the truths of God's sovereignty and human responsibility and how they intermesh and understands God's Word well and can minister and care for people. That's, that's for deacons, let alone for elders. It's a high and noble call to minister the Word to brothers and sisters in Christ, and to, it's a sobering thing to build upon the foundation and be called to build well. It's, it, it should never be something that someone takes frivolously or lightly to put somebody into pastoral leadership. Being a pastor is a very serious thing. Training, equipping, we need very, very godly and knowledgeable men in the Word to fulfill that calling. It's not something that is a light thing or that you throw somebody in flippantly. It's, it, it's very important for God's people to get the very best of care. And you get that locally through elders and deacons, but you also get it through the extra local care that comes in partnership with other Christ-centered churches. And the Apostle Paul ministers that, but it's not just him. He has fellow workers like Titus and Timothy and Epaphroditus, I'm always blessed when I get his name right, <laughs> who are sent as messengers, as emissaries of the apostles to go and minister to different churches, be their representatives, and they minister care unto the church, and they help protect the church, and they help provide wisdom. Extra local care provides, it provides wisdom on how to build well as opposed to building something that's not going to last. Building merely on wood, hay, and stumble, stubble. That wood, hay, and straw, or stubble, as the other uh, translation describes it, talks about something that burns up quickly. It, it doesn't last. It doesn't endure. And it's possible here that it, it's actually talking about work done in the power of the flesh. Work that's done that doesn't center people in on Christ and actually can lead to disobedience in God's people. It, it can stumble God's people when pastors and elders don't teach according to the Word of God, don't center God's people in on Jesus Christ. And the extra local care helps see to it that elders stay on target and are doing the right thing to make sure God's people are cared for best. I'm thankful for that. 
I've been thankful for that for day one in our church, that we are cared for within a family of churches that takes doctrine seriously, that takes the Word of God seriously, that takes centering us all in on Jesus Christ and Him crucified, risen from the dead seriously, and never shifting off of that to some other doctrine that might even be good, but is not the foundation, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for how extra local care provides also financially. And this is where I'm going to talk about some of the benefits within Sovereign Grace and the care that we get just for a few moments before we take communion. We could not have gotten Mario and Jen over to Croatia this past summer without the partnership we have in Sovereign Grace churches. There was one church, Crossway Church of Lancaster, where we have our youth camp, We are friends with that church in close partnership right there in Millersville that contributed $6,000 in one Sunday to something we are doing here in Reading because they don't think of it as they're doing it. They're saying we are doing it. Brothers and sisters, I'm so thankful that it's not all on us. To, to reach the nations, but we're doing it together in partnership. Our worldwide reach from Reading is happening, not through an independent church in isolation trying to do it on its own, but we are getting equipping. Mario is equipped at the pastor's college, trained and strengthened so that when he goes there, he's he builds rightly upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and doesn't build wood, hay, and stubble over internationally, but gives the people over there in Croatia a good Christ-centered pulpit ministry that will build people up into the milk of the pure gospel through repentance and faith in Christ, but also take people into the mysteries of the gospel and the understanding of the doctrines of grace and so on and so forth. It's such a wonderful thing to watch that happen. I'm so thankful that we're not alone. Ben John and I recently got together with Tim Shorey, our Northeast Regional leader, and Andy Farmer, who was my singles pastor back at Covenant Fellowship Church, uh, back before Shannon and I got married. He was the pastor that actually married Shannon and I. Um, between those two, we're looking at probably uh, 55 to 60 years of pastoral experience. Um, you know what? Ben, John, and I got together to talk with them, just to glean wisdom from them. We were blessed. We were greatly strengthened, weren't we, Ben, in relation to just the help that they gave us. They helped us to be able to help you best. And the reason why this message is so important is so often this is flowing into our lives and blessing me, Ben and John, it's blessing Kelly and Shannon and Kim. Most directly, you get these guys through guest speakers and moments like that and and even like the communication seminar with Tim Shorey last year. That was such a blessing. But you got to understand these guys are helping to keep our eldership strong and Christ-centered and loving Christ together and a good pastoral team so that we can be a blessing to all of you in a way that if we were just in independency and in isolation, we could not have that benefit. We could get it from friends, but it wouldn't have the partnership element. And it's something that's worth fighting for. It's something that's worth persevering through difficult seasons and challenges for. And I'm so thankful for it. I want you to know our family of churches, Sovereign Grace, is not a perfect family of churches or a perfect ecclesiastical union of churches. We even saw over the last number of years where, similar to Paul and Barnabas splitting and having sharp disagreement over a matter of dispute over how to treat John Mark, um, we saw dispute and challenge, and we saw some strife happen and it was very painful to observe over the last number of years just stories like that 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 actually did cause some division and difficulty even within our own ecclesiastical union of churches but you know what you persevere through that i can encourage you that i do not believe that even in the midst of those times that there was any systemic corruption or scandal in a way that corrupted every single church in a way that hinders or that we should pull out of partnership with Sovereign Grace Churches. It's sins and struggles that are being addressed and being dealt with, weaknesses that are being addressed and dealt with, so that we can grow 
healthy and strong through mistakes that were made in the past, even with leadership. And even in past leadership, we saw some evidences of pride and challenges and weaknesses in structure. All of those things are being addressed and corrected and and, and so that the churches and our ecclesiastical union can get stronger and learn from even the weaknesses over the last season. I'm so thankful for that. You don't want to pull out of that lightly. You don't want to jettison 15 years of grace and blessing over a season of difficulty and challenge. We don't want to be fair weather partners, but we want to endure. Now listen, I can give you this assurance. If the day ever came, we're in our partnership with our union of churches, where our union of churches, sovereign grace, began to veer off from the gospel of grace, began to take their eyes off of the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, to where the foundation of our family of churches began to get cracked and warped because it isn't built on Christ any longer, we would be the first ones out of there because the the foundation of Jesus Christ is what's most important. But I want to encourage you that I believe that foundation is intact. And some of the strife and challenges and pride in leadership and structural weaknesses have presented some rubble all around the foundation. But like Nehemiah, I appeal, let's rebuild the wall. Let's learn from our mistakes and rebuild. Let's not walk away. We need to embrace the principle, the biblical principle of partnership and extra local ministry so that we can rebuild together and build higher and stronger and more humbler and in a more godly way for the glory of the Lord so that we can see more churches planted, so we can see more nations reached for the gospel, so we can partner together to see glorious things done for God's glory. Last Saturday, Keith Lewis, Daniel Crocker, and myself went down to Covenant Fellowship Church and we were equipped how to build elderships, pastoral teams better. It was such a great time. We got equipped. The Croatia funding. Right now, actually, we have a missionary couple in our family, Daniel and Caitlin Crocker, who are being equipped by Ben John and I and given wisdom, but we also have extra local care. There's a couple in the Lancaster Church who have been longtime missionaries, still serving in a missionary organization, who are giving us wisdom on how to make sure we as a local church can send Daniel and Caitlin out well to go and support the church plant with Mario and Jen. Coming up, Lord willing, this July, they'll be going out. Pray for Daniel and Caitlin. I'm so grateful for the wisdom that comes, the provision that extra local care and partnership provides. I'm so thankful for events like our youth camp. I'm so thankful for events like the one we got coming up next month, like Ben alluded to in the announcements, February 25th, a marriage seminar. Married couples, can I please appeal to you? Mark that date on your calendar. Come for that marriage seminar. Tim Shorey is such a blessing. and I think it could be some of the best marriage teaching that you've ever experienced. It's so good. I want to see us all benefit from that, but I'm so thankful that we get that. Ben, John, and I can do a marriage seminar, but it's so wonderful that we have partnership and we can do this together even with other churches. And we'll be doing that here at the Governor Mifflin Middle School, February 25th at 9 a.m. here. Warren Betcher coming in next week is going to be a huge blessing. We've had Mickey Connolly in, who's now the Director of Church Care in our church. He's been a real blessing. Um, our Sovereign Grace Church's Northeast Region is going to be having a celebration event at Lancaster Bible College, July 13th through the 15th. Many years ago, we had a celebration conference out at Indiana University of Pennsylvania where 5,000 different Christians got together to worship at the Fieldhouse at IUP. Our partnership would gather together once a year, and this year we're going to seek to do that again a little bit smaller with our region at Lancaster Bible College and some of the churches in Lancaster, even some of us might even be able to host a family coming in from Boston in our Northeast region, perhaps to help them be able to come in and enjoy that regional family conference. That's going to be for all of us. Every one of us are invited to that. Mark your calendar for that. I think that's going to be great. We have a book of church order or a BCO as it's known that actually is helping to strengthen structurally what was weak in our organization in the past 
some of the leadership fell when just a few men and, and we saw that when that was tested, it, it started to break down. But now the leadership within our union of churches is diversified largely. Ben, John, and I find we have a wonderful voice to be able to speak into the weaknesses in sovereign grace. And we do. And we have a voice now where we didn't have one as much in the past. And that's because of some of the wonderful developments, some of the maturing that Sovereign Grace Churches is undergoing. So the, I'd encourage all of you who are members of our church to read the book of church order. It'll help you understand how our churches are governed, how our partnership operates, how our local church government operates. And we'll be even addressing that next week in our sermon when Warren Betcher comes, and with John's ordination service. But I encourage you to read that. It's, you know, it's, it's not the most exciting book you ever want to read, but it's, it's definitely helpful to understand how does our church operate? How are we governed? And for you to be able to ask Ben, John, and I your questions or give us your encouragements. I'm so thankful for just all the blessing. I just listed a few things there in relation to the blessings of partnership how partnership provides for us financially. It provides wisdom for us. How partnership protects us. It helps us to keep our eyes on God. Protects us from infighting and strife and operating out of the flesh rather than the spirit. How it protects us and keeps our focus on the foundation, which is Christ. And how it helps us to build well upon the foundation so that our work survives. We want our work together to survive. We want our work together in the gospel to be able to be passed on to the next generation and to the next. Brothers and sisters, Ben, John, and I as elders, we are seeking to build a local church together with you that doesn't just endure for five years or ten. We're not going to build this church on fads or on man's wisdom or the things that everybody's excited about in the moment. We want to build this church by God's grace according to the word of God and build the word and take us ever deeper into the gospel and build with help new believers with milk, help maturing believers with grow more and more in the solid food, see godly men and women raised up within our church to make the maximum impact for Christ in their lives that God's calling them to make, to see your spiritual gifts deployed so that more people can be reached for Christ. Oh, brothers and sisters, it's so exciting to think about the days ahead. But we're going to need all of us to engage, to press in. We're going to need all of us to treasure what God is building together in our midst so that we can all keep our eyes on Jesus Christ together so that our work doesn't just last for a moment, but that it endures. So much so that even on the day of judgment, when our work is tested by fire, it's not consumed up and burnt up. But that by God's grace, and none of us build perfectly, may it be true that those at Christ Community Church built with gold and silver and precious stones, those were the ingredients of the temple and how the Jews were to build the temple with gold, silver, and precious stones, may we build, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, not according to man's wisdom, but according to the Word of God, in such a way that our work endures. My uh, friend Nathan Smith, who's helping us in partnership in Sovereign Grace Churches to care for Mario and Jen, he's going to actually be running the point to help ordain Mario and pray for Mario. John and I talked with him this week. He's studying hard for ordination exams up in July, Lord willing, for the send-off and the church plant starting in September of this upcoming year. Pray for him. As he's doing that, I'm so thankful for Nathan Smith. When we were in Croatia, we were seeing buildings that have been up since before Christ came on the earth. It was powerful. We were seeing Roman ruins and Ruins of the Colosseum, as I mentioned to some of you. We saw other structures. We saw, if Mario was right with this, we saw the second oldest structure in the world. I put my hand on one of the pillars of that structure. And Nathan Smith, who pastors our sister church in Bristol, England, said, yeah, you know, we visited Mount Vernon as Brits last year, Mount Vernon being where George Washington 
lived. And they were doing a tour through Mount Vernon. And he says, it's always funny when we as Brits take an American tour because we'll be walking through the house and there'll be somebody saying, please don't touch this chair. It's a hundred years old. Because in England, we walk past things that are thousand years old very commonly. In America, sometimes we can lose that vantage point because our history is less than 250 years old. But in Croatia, you're talking about thousands of years of civilization and structures that have been built and have been built well and have stood the test of time. Brothers and sisters, let us together, and we need all of us, let us build well together on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Let us build high, let us build well, let us build, and let us pray that we would build with gold, jewel, and precious stones, and that our work would endure. When we stand before the Lord on the day of judgment, let us pray that When we stand there, and we'll only stand there by grace, if by God's grace, be able to offer up to the Lord gold, silver, and precious stones before Him, that our life really made a difference for His glory and for the good of His precious temple, His church. And at this time, I'd like to ask us to prepare our hearts for communion that we would remember the foundation which has been laid. Jesus Christ, let us prepare to partake of the bread which symbolizes Christ's broken body and the cup which symbolizes Christ's blood that was shed. Let us prepare our hearts to take communion. And ushers, you can begin to distribute at this time. First Corinthians 11, a few chapters after this in verse 23, the Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Let's examine ourselves. Let us reflect. Let us remember the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord. The Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and He said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let's partake of the bread together and thank Jesus for suffering His body to die.
In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters, let us remember the blood of Christ, which is atoned for all of our sins. Let's partake of the cup. The Lord's Supper, one theologian has described as visible words. The visible words of communion, the visible words of the Lord's Supper. There's a reason that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper so that every time we partake of this together, we would fix our eyes back on the foundation, the precious cornerstone, Jesus Christ who suffered His body to be broken for our sins, and whose blood was, a sh- was shed to atone for all of our transgressions. It is always wonderful, church, doing this in remembrance of Him together. Love you so much, church, and love doing this together with you. Let's pray. Almighty God, I just thank You for our people. I thank You for our salvation. I pray that you would protect us through the years that our doctrinal and moral purity as your holy, consecrated people would be preserved. Thank you for our partnership with Sovereign Grace Churches and how they are a means of your grace. The extra care, extra local care that flows in, a means of your grace to help us as a local church to keep our eyes on Christ your Son, the foundation. To keep our eyes on operating according to the Spirit of God and not according to the flesh. Help us, Lord God, to be your holy people. Help us, Lord God, protect us from division. Protect us from infighting. Protect us from taking our eyes off of Your Son. Fill our hearts with love for You and love for one another so that as the world looks into the church, they would be able to tell that we're Christians by our love for one another and our love for You. And as Ben and Kim read earlier, Do all of this, Lord, that we would be a bright light that would shine forth for the glory of your name and so that many lost sinners would be one to Jesus Christ, your Son. We thank you so much for all that you have done and we pray for your blessing on our church body in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, church. Have a wonderful week.